Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. This week, the path towards the Oscars became clearer with the presentation of the rather less prestigious Golden Globes. A small pool of reviewers, the so-called Hollywood foreign press, get together and pick some winners from both film and television. And this year, their nominations offended the easily offended more than usual. Not diverse enough, they said. Too white, too old. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. My trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. But the Golden Globes still give a pretty good indication of who and what are likely to feature at the more important Academy Awards. And in the end, nobody could complain about the lack of diversity among the recipients, regardless of the much-derided all-white voters. I'm going to give me a band and make me some records. I know how to play real music, not this jug band shit. You call that playing music? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Go on and fire me, I don't care. When I got there, The late Chadwick Boseman was a popular winner for his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, as was Daniel Kaluuya for a film called Judas and the Black Messiah, and Andrew Day in the title role of The United States versus Billie Holiday. It seemed in tune with the times that the award for best animated film should go to Pixar's Soul. Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at seven. Meanwhile, Asian-Americans scored big two at the Golden Globes. Chloe Zhao for directing the best film, Nomadland, and a rare thing, an American film, Minari, winning best film in a foreign language. I don't like Grandma. Grandma smells like Korea. Yeah. What about Grandma smell? In fact, belying the critics, old-school Hollywood might have been the big loser this year. Aaron Sorkin scored best script for The Trial of the Chicago 7, but that love letter to the classic Citizen Kane, Mank, got nothing for all its many nominations. Mank, it's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Whether the Oscars will follow in these footsteps remains to be seen. I suspect the post-Me Too sensation, Emerald Fennell's promising young woman, may feature rather more in April. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? 
However, my own beef about the award selection has nothing to do with how diverse or representative they are. It's that they're all a bit feeble. Maybe my judgment was affected by watching a Netflix documentary series about five of the greatest Hollywood filmmakers ever going off to cover the greatest story ever told. These documentaries were powerful for American audiences. The footage proved that the enormity of the task was worth it. We had an enormous story to tell. The greatest heroes, the greatest villains on the world stage. This was real filmmaking. It was called Five Came Back and it followed five directors after they enlisted in the armed forces for World War II. Their job was to make a series of propaganda films loosely titled Why We Fight and each one came back to make even greater films. America stands at the crossroads of its destiny. In the early years of Hitler's rise, moviegoing had become an essential part of American culture. But Americans did not realize the extent of the threat Hitler posed. Five Came Back's smart move was to marry these Golden Age directors with their equivalents from following generations. For instance, Paul Greengrass champions the great poet of the Western, John Ford, a labour of love he repeated this year with a more tangible tribute, that very Fordian film, News of the World. Five filmmakers wanted to respond as so many millions of men and women responded. They chose to serve. The hard-boiled writer, director and actor John Huston is spoken for by Apocalypse Now's Francis Ford Coppola, while the Italian immigrant teller of modern fairy tales Frank Capra could have no better mouthpiece than Mexico's Guillermo del Toro. He understood cinema could be put in the service of propaganda. Americans realize we can't win this war. These guys are going to beat us. Making up the numbers were the versatile George Stevens, a comedy specialist originally, who after the war made the superb Diary of Anne Frank, and my own personal favourite, that brilliant craftsman, William Wyler. I believe a film should have something to say. I think it should make people think and feel long after they've left the theatre. I was delighted to learn that Weiler was also a favourite of Steven Spielberg, who regularly screens Weiler's masterpiece, The Best Years of Our Lives, at his home. It was the story of three servicemen coming back from the war, the same journey faced by the five Hollywood directors four years after they joined up. These five men, they were saying goodbye to families who never knew if they would return. coming out of it. Each one made their greatest film. Well, there's no time to cover the three-part series Five Came Back in any depth other than to urge you to seek it out. Apart from anything, it's a reminder of what makes a director great, the ability to tell a story. And a good story trumps self-conscious diversity, flag-waving representation and audience targeting any day. Nothing could prepare anyone for the intensity of the conflict. These filmmakers changed the world. Well, this week's selection seems to be all about targeting audiences, particularly those important older audiences who seem to be on the minds of the studios right now. We look at two would-be feel-good movies from Denmark and Australia. But first, a tearjerker called Supernova. All right. If you had one wish in the world, what would it be? I wish this holiday wouldn't end. 
Calling Supernova a tearjerker may be a little unfair. It implies the sentimental plucking of the heartstrings, the sort of thing Frank Capra used to do so effectively in films like It's a Wonderful Life. But Supernova is far more restrained, a remarkably assured second film by writer-director Harry McQueen. It's the story of a middle-aged couple's road trip to the Lake District. It's good to get back on the road again, don't you think? But how about just exploring the outer regions of fifth gear? American-born Tusker is a writer. His longtime partner Sam is a musician. Both seem to have put their careers on hold for a year or so, though Sam plans to revive his with a small concert at the end of the week. Tusker teases him that he's been out of the public eye too long. Can I ask you, did you want one? An autograph? From him? Because I saw you looking at it, I wasn't sure if you wanted one. Tusker? No, it's all right. He's very shy. Do you have a pen on you? The roles of Tusker and Sam benefit from the friendship of the stars, Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Much has been made of the fact that originally they were to play the other roles, though I can't imagine it. They're perfectly recast here. Tusker, playful and waspish. Sam, earnest but loving. How did you come to be this person? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know why I do it, because it really isn't even satisfying anymore half the time, anyway. Uh, so why do you do it? Because of the other half. <laughs> However, there's more to this trip than simply getting away from it all for a week or so. Tusker, it transpires, is suffering from early-onset Alzheimer's, a disease that seems as regular an occurrence in baby boomer movies these days as AIDS used to be during the gay rights movies of the 80s and 90s. How are you? I thought we'd have a party. I am on the edge. But Tusker is determined not to go down without a fight and he's organised this trip to be a memorable one for Sam. Along the way, the couple visit old friends, eat and drink well and explore the heavens with Tusker's prized possession, his telescope. So you have to find the three brightest lights there that make the triangle. This one? Mm-hmm. And that's where the Milky Way is. Mm. And underscoring every event, every conversation, is the fact that can no longer be avoided. Tusker is slowly losing his grip on who he is. Supernova asks, will the book he claims to be working on prove too much for him in the end? So can you tell that it's gotten worse? The temptation in a film like this is to leaven the potential tragedy with carefully placed moments of comedy. But the tone of Supernova remains consistently warm and human. Partly it's the script, of course, but even more it's because of the beautifully judged performances by both Tucci and Firth. I'd like to make a speech. I, uh... Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. I'd, I'd love to you do it for me. Tucci has the showier part, though Firth is never overshadowed. But, of course, it's not a competition. In fact, their most telling moments are when they're simply listening to each other, allowing those expressive faces to tell the untold parts of the story. Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. 
OK, uncharitable critics could complain that there's rather too much untold in this story, particularly a story called Supernova. It's as if director Harry McQueen can't bear to end it. But the climax is quiet and effective, showing off Colin Firth's unexpected musical talents. You know, a very wise man once said, we will not starve for lack of wonders, but from lack of wonder. The poster of a Danish film called The Food Club pretty much tells you all you need to know. Three women of a certain age, wine glasses in hand, behind them lunch on the tables of a restaurant in a sunny clime, and near them the smiling faces of potential happy endings. Safe to say The Food Club is no stranger to the best exotic marigold hotel format. But it's not just oldies in the sunshine, Italy this time rather than India. It also boasts bits of sex in the city, vibrator jokes ahoy, bits of any recent film about food, and bits of any British film starring Celia Emery or Julie Walters. Buongiorno, I'm Alessandro. I'm the host and also the cook. Meet our heroines Marie, Vanya and Berling, all off to Italy with a food club that offers a long weekend of Italian cooking classes. Marie needs cheering up. She's just been dumped by her husband, with whom she'd been planning a romantic second honeymoon over the fettuccine. Melkluten, exclusive kokkekursus i Italien. Nu er det sgu os, der er lov. Ja, han skulle egentlig have været med, min mand. We need to talk is the same in any language. The other two musketeers are Vanya, a not-so-merry widow who prefers to hang on to the memory of her late husband, and the frisky Berling, the Celia Imri character, always on the lookout for... Um, how do you say it in Danish? The three are welcomed by the dashing chef Alessandro and the other three course members. There's the ultra-serious greeny couple who fasts at a cooking course and the always smiling Jacob. Which way will he go, we wonder? <laughs> Marie claims not to be interested in romance. She prefers plotting to win back her husband, reading books called How to Win Back Your Husband. Thanks, I got it. It's about now the writer and director of the food club start to realise that three attractive older women and a string of Italian meals are not quite enough to fill an entire movie. <laughs> Marie, Berling and Vanya are going to have to do more than simply gaze at the Mediterranean and toy with delicious pasta dishes. More important, they're all going to have to want something. 
Well, not Marie. We all know what she wants. See, man skal eat those lækker noget spis. Nej, vi har fast i dag. Nå, det er da uheldigt på et koppekurs. Jeg skal nok få Henrik tilbage. Er du overhovedet sikker på, at du vil det? Leaving Marie to hanker after husband Henrik, we explore the backstories of Berling and Vanya, particularly their relationships with their families. Why does Berling not get on with her daughter, the film belatedly inquires? Is that glamorous exterior covering up hidden doubts? Hi. Hi. Fantastic. Cool. <laughs> And Vanya, isn't it time she moved on from the memory of her late husband? Is there someone a little closer at hand with whom you could be sharing a bottle of vino and a slice of frittata? Now, for certain tastes, and I confess I'm putting my hand up here, the food club may be a little contrived and thin, with both problems and solutions tacked on as and when required. However, in a spirit of full disclosure, I have to reveal that the party of older women behind me begged to differ. Mind you, when the lights went up, they all started chatting in Danish. I imagine that makes all the difference. Men i det mindste, så bliver vi nogle gamle røvhuller sammen. Stikker man så begge de der ører op på én gang? De kan være der. A film I'd planned to leave quietly alone was yet another one aimed at the old folks at home, though the casting of Australian caper movie Never Too Late seems to imply bigger ambitions than just Adelaide suburban cinemas. It stars American James Cromwell as former Lieutenant Jack Bronson, with Englishman Dennis Waterman as his former 2IC, Jeremiah Kane. Lieutenant Jack Bronson. Commander of the infamous Chainbreakers. Now that you're here, we have a full set. We've got Jeremiah Kane. The best face man you've ever seen. You're outrageous. Leaving aside the fact that no Englishman has been called Jeremiah since the days of Oliver Cromwell, let's meet the rest of the Chainbreakers, former Vietnam War vets. They are Aussie Screwloose Wilson, played by Jack Thompson, and Kiwi James Wendell, Roy Billing. James Wendell. Toughest son of a bitch you've ever known. Angus Screwloose Wilson. There's nothing wrong with my memory. There's nothing that Angus can't destroy. Hope you're not causing too much trouble over there. Never Too Late opens with Jack Bronson faking illness and attempting to either break in or break out of a retirement home. It's a little unclear which. It turns out he's trying to hook up with an old flame, Norma. After 50 years of courting, Jack's decided to take the plunge. Except she's been whisked away to be treated for, you've guessed it, Alzheimer's. Mr Bronson, you've been here less than one day and you've faked a stroke, threatened our staff and tried to break out. There was a very special lady friend I had to see because it's been 50 years. Curiously and significantly, many of these staff at the rest home for veterans of the Vietnam War are actually Vietnamese. We'll save this possibly important plot point for later, maybe. But first, let's set up the basic premise. Jack wants to put the band back together. Norma was transferred out of here earlier today. She'll be back in three months. I'll find you, Norma. In three months, she might not even remember who I am. 
The idea is that the four expendables, I mean chain breakers, will revive their old skills and combine to do one last caper. I mean mission. They'll break out of the rest home, break into the nice hospital where Norma's been put up, and then, I don't know, kidnap her or something and go off and get married. Some of us have regrets. Wish I could take my boy to the footy like I should have when he was a kid. Some of us have dreams. I want to sail and forget about everything. I say we do them all. Well, don't worry if the task seems a little opaque. From the out, there seems very little chance of anything actually happening. Every time Bronson's heroes manage to get out, they're immediately rounded up by security and then have to start the whole dreary exercise again. I'm the only one to break out of this hellhole and get away with it. You break back in the teleset, did you? Oh, shut up, you legless pussy. Jesus. For something clearly intended to be a bit of a comedy romp, Never Too Late, belying its name, certainly takes its time getting started. Promising bits of plot are set up, then abandoned, while the wobbly narrative keeps tripping over heart attacks, forcible restraint, sudden death, and a nagging suspicion it's forgotten what it was about. This was your happy ending. What do you imagine what happened next? Worst of all about Never Too Late is the waste of a perfectly good cast. Norma's played by the great Jackie Weaver, and all four of the chain breakers are capable of rather more than dropping their trousers and hurling crotchety abuse at each other. Get in the hearse. Not a gun, that's your finger. I just wanted to take you to the footy. My boy. Can't feel anything in that way. Dennis Waterman may have aged a bit since his glory days as Terry McCann in TV's Minder back in the day, but he surely didn't deserve as little as this. Hopefully he had a nice time in the Adelaide Sun shooting this picture. A long way from the glory days of Hollywood, in other words, though once again the target audience, depressingly, seemed to warm to it, especially the slapstick bits. Pass me the clicker. Ah well, who needs a story that makes sense, they obviously thought. Give us a bit about old people not being able to work the remote and we're happy. And far be it from me to stop people having a bit of harmless fun, particularly in these rather challenging times. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.